Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to Sports Talk here on the Big 870. Mike to take you along with Charlie Long. Uh, we'll take you to 6 o'clock tonight. Bobby's uh, got the uh, afternoon off. Uh, Jeff Nowak will join us at 540 for Triple Option. And then uh, Jeff takes over at 6 o'clock. Uh, he'll have on with him Ross Jackson uh, from Locked On Saints uh, podcast. Ross will talk about Saints NFL news. And, Charlie, uh, I think that's where we'll start with this. The Saints, uh, Jordan Schultz from the Bleacher Report was the first one to break it that the Saints were going to hire Rick Dennison as their run game coordinator and sort of team up with John Benton, uh, who is the new offensive line coach. Uh, to handle the offensive line. Rick Dennison. <laughs> um, Rick's in his mid-60s. I think he's 65. I know a couple people that have either coached with him or coached against him, and they had the highest praise for Rick, that he had done a really great job uh, no matter where he's been. Uh, real intense coach, old school, fundamental oriented, and so it'll be interesting. And, you know, his ties – go back not so much to uh, Kyle Kubiak, but Gary Kubiak is dad. That, that's where it all started uh, with the Kubiak sort of tandem. And then uh, certainly Kubiak and uh, Dennison coached together with the Vikings. So you can see the tie. Clancy also, the Saints tight ends coach, uh, also has that tie in uh, coaching with the Vikings. But now having Benton, and now Dennison, two veteran coaches here, coaching the Saints offensive line. It's an area, it's not, you want to fix it. you got to fix it if this team has any chance uh, to get better on the offensive side of the football. So a couple things. Dennison is officially listed as the run game coordinator for the Saints. That's his title. Uh, he's been in the league since 1995 through 2021. He was out of football in 2022 and then 2023 as well. So now he's back into it. As you mentioned, the connection with Kubiak. He served with Gary Kubiak on the Super Bowl winning roster that the Broncos had in 2015 as their OC. He actually spent multiple different stints as an OC throughout his tenure in the NFL. He's been an offensive line coach. He spent time with the Ravens. And then most recently, uh, the Vikings and the Jets, he was a run game coordinator as well. So uh, from what I was reading from Schultz, it seems that Dennison specifically has uh, a focus on improving offensive line, which you love to see. And when we were mentioning the offensive line opening after they moved on from Doug Marone, I specifically remember, Mike, you and Bobby talking about it. Dennison and Benton were the two names that come yep. out. They didn't just get one of them. They got both of them now. So. Yeah, and so you bring in two veteran coaches, fundamental. That's what they're going to teach. 
the fundamentals of the game. And so, uh, and I think that was lacking uh, over the last couple of years, really did. Uh, I thought that part of the game had sort of fell off uh, for them. And they didn't show a lot of toughness in the running game. And, okay, you can't replace all five starters. And Eric McCoy is a good player at center. Mm-hmm. I, I really like him. Now, I can't tell you about the health of Ryan Ramchak. I, I can't at this point. No one can. Uh, and, you know, we know Ruiz is going to be back at, at one of the guard positions. Everything else is sort of fluid after that because you don't know about Andrus Pete. Uh, certainly you don't know anything about Trevor Penning. Uh, Nick Saldaveri is uh, also uh, another developmental guy. So you bring in two veteran coaches to come in to sort of sort all that out uh, of the type player and what best fits them uh, as a group and which five are the best. Uh, because it's not about, oh, he's penciled in that guard, that's where he's going to stay. Uh, that may be the case with Ruiz, but we know with with Pete, and that's going to be something that we're going to have to watch in the offseason, what sort of happens there, and where does he play? And you heard the comments from Ireland at the Senior Bowl about Penning and that they still believe in him, but is he a guy that's going to play tackle or is he going to play guard in the NFL? He didn't give a lot of answers. No, well, he also mentioned that he's not the one that decides whether or not they (laughs) shift Penning inside, which is what Bobby has been kind of clamoring for. Uh, since, you know, what happened this past year. But he had influence on selecting him. Yeah. Okay? He's your head of college scouting. For sure. So uh, that part is on him. And, again, it it all comes down to as only one guy makes that final decision, and that's Mickey Loomis. But who he's getting input from? And that's from Jeff Ireland. Bottom line. So Trevor Pinning's his guy. It's like you said, though, Mike. I mean, you have Ruiz and you have, you know, uh, McCoy basically locked down at center and guard. Outside of that, you mentioned uh, they, they've been saying good things about Ramchek's knee and, and stuff like that, but how much cartilage does he have left in that knee? It gets I, I me know. kind of worried. I, I just look at what happened, I, and this may be worst case scenario, but what happened with David Bakhtiari in Green Bay, a former all pro left tackle. He the same player, is he? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is that a former all-pro tackle that had knee issues and then he's just derailed his career. I don't want the same thing to happen to Ramchek, especially, you know, he's a guy that's under a really big contract that the Saints gave him a couple years back. So it's it's a kind of scary situation there. We don't know what's going to happen with Penning. They do, in fact, move him inside. I mean, Pete's a a free agent. If they're going to bring him back, who knows? And then No, if they move Trevor inside, then you've got to keep Pete out. Yeah, Pete, Pete, that would make the Andrews most sense. Would, would have to play the left tackle spot if your plans are eventually to kick Trevor Pinning inside to that guard position. There's just so many question marks, Mike. So that's why you got two veteran guys to figure it out, and Benton and Dennison uh, to figure it out. And again, uh, ties not only uh, to the current Saints offensive coordinator, but to his dad in Gary Kubiak. Uh, it broke this morning. We had heard Dennis Allen talk about this. I think it may have been the second week in August about the possibility of the Saints moving their training camp next year out to California, so to speak. You're going to play at uh, University of California, Irvine, and move it out there for training camp. And so uh, Jeff got more information on it. It looks as though that's going to be a given uh, with a lot of – kind of renovation work going on at the Saints practice facilities, also in the cafeteria part of things also. So out in California, 
Uh, I know one thing, the weather's much nicer there than it is out in Louisiana. But, right. you know, for some guys, man, they, they enjoyed the heat. They enjoyed it. But for others, man, you know, you got to be careful of how you handle it. And you got to indoor facility, too. So I think it'll be back in 2025. But for 2024, and Dennis Allen did comment about this, and, you know, it was nothing specific, but I think Jeff Duncan hit it that, you know, this year they're going to be at training camp at UC Irvine. It's a temporary thing, as you mentioned, Mike. They're just doing renovations in Metairie, but they are jumping from, you know, New Orleans all the way out west to UC Irvine. But another thing, the Rams have used that practice facility as their training camp spot as well. So an NFL team has been there before. It's not like it's, you know, some kind of low-budget move or anything like that. Uh, but, yeah, we had mentioned that last year is, you know, the the conditions – the amount of times that they had to go inside just because of how bad the weather was down here in August. The first one to bring it up was Bobby. Because, <laughs> yeah, man, we standing off to the side, and he's like, Dennis, I'm going to ask you about the heat. Uh, how you? He was like, Bobby asked me that during the question part of it, and he asked him that. It made everybody was laughing because they heard the first time he asked him, which was before, actually, uh, Coach Allen went to the podium, and he was like, Bobby, I'm trying to get you out of the heat. You what was, know, I'm what trying was it to that Bobby had mentioned about doing camps with separate teams? Like, they all kind of come to one spot, and they they, they all organize and do training camps and practices together. You know what I'm talking about, Mike? Yeah, and that was uh, with the Texans. They were going to do it toward the end, and then the Texans, man, got a slew of injuries, and D'Amico Rhines was, no, we're not going to do this. But they did go out to L.A. with the Chargers. They did and go out with, and uh, practice with the yeah. Chargers so, in, in that weather. And so, man. They must have liked it, Mike. Yeah, I mean, the highs were like 77 oh, or something man. like that, and you get that breeze off the Pacific. Uh, pretty nice. Also, too, in other NFL news, uh, the Bears clearing out over $21 million in cap space today. They released veteran center guard Cody Whitehair, who's a good player, but, man, he's been nicked up the last few years with all kind of injuries. And Eddie Jackson, who's a really good player safety. at the safety position, former University of Alabama star player. And, boy, 2018 2019 he was really good you saw his play really decline last year and man when that happens and you're 30 years old you know what happens they pink slip you so the bears clearing out over 21 million dollars in cap space uh white has a good player and so is eddie uh white hair just he can't stay healthy with eddie you wonder about last year you started to see the decline in his overall play not only against the pass but also he was so good against the run uh, man he was a tough dude coming up that scene making a play and you didn't quite see that out of eddie jackson last year so both of them have been released from the chicago bears we'll be back with more sports talk here on the big 870 right after this break call from mom Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870, Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long. Bobby J has got the day off today. I'm going to read this text because uh, I think this gentleman sent it a few times. He says, Mike, I'm curious with the new position coaching hires, if the Saints finish second and third in the division again, similar record, and Loomis cleans house, do the coaches get a pass and keep their job for 2025, or are they potentially one and done? Man, when you get a job in this league, you potentially one and done every year. Look the defensive coordinator for the 49ers who helped get his team to the Super Bowl. He was one and done. So I think that answers the question. Um, you sort of like a military brat. you got to move from place to place. And that, that's the coaching profession. They pay you a lot of money. Uh, but, man, you got to have a real patient wife. And the family you know, takes it because it does happen that you move from place to place. But when you get hired by an NFL team, there's no guarantee about the following year. Not with the kind of money that's out there. And so these new assistant coaches, they well aware of it. Most of them veteran coaches in this league. They understand that it could be a one-and-done situation if things don't work out. But they understand, too, that's why they were brought here, to try to fix this situation. And uh, you got some personnel issues, too, that you're going to have to deal with. That this team doesn't have the talent overall. They have bits and pieces of it. But not only are you putting in a new scheme, you're going to have to go out and get new players if it's trades, free agents, draft, to make this work, especially on the offensive side of football. And about your run game coordinator, Rick Dennison, he's got three one-stops in the past decade. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he spent 2014 he in it. Baltimore, spent 2017 in Buffalo as an OC before hopping to the Jets in 2018, and then he hopped to the Vikings in 2019. Like, they move all over. It's like you said, they're military, Brad. It's yeah, like, it's, um, it's like that in college football, too. Uh, you, you know, you start there and you kind of jump, trying to get you to the best job you can. And you move on in the NFL. You're trying to hang on uh, to the job you got unless you can be a head coach or a coordinator. But that those jobs don't always come open for you. And so, yeah, to answer your question, it could be a one and done if things don't work out. And kind of the scenario you bring up about if you finish third in the division and you eight wins or nine wins, um, you decided to clean house. Those assistant coaches – for the most part, unless the new guy coming in wants to keep you, uh, you got to move on uh, to the next stop. And that's that's just the way the coaching profession is. It's not like high school football or it's not like high school coaching that you stay maybe 10, 12 years at a, a certain school. It doesn't quite work that way in the NFL. Charlie, uh, your Pelicans last night, <laughs> they I don't know what they don't like about prosperity. But they jump out to this big lead, and then all of a sudden they see it dwindle. Man, and I turn my back, and it's down to five. Then next thing you know, the Wizards have the lead. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Yeah, and it was against – And I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit more at – well, they got one dude that played last night. Denny Avia. I mean, this Man, guy that Avia was, was 
awesome. I mean, he's been kind of seen as a bust throughout the first. Yeah, couple years that's of his what career. I was going to say. But I mean, this year he's kind of been a breakout candidate, especially well, the. This last... was the best scoring game of oh, his career. It was a career night for him. One hundred percent, forty-three points was a career night. I mean, his prior career night was against Dallas earlier in the week, which was twenty-five. Twenty-five. Yeah. So I mean, he went and almost doubled it <laughs> against the Pelicans, and I was I was texting my buddy like, only the Pelicans can make this dude look like an All Pro. But Zion made it work. But Zion just matched him head to head. Man, it was awesome, and we'll talk more about that game later on. But uh, Pelicans on a three-game winning streak heading into the All-Star break. They're six and one in the month of February. Won seven of their last eight in total. So uh, this is a team that's you know they're not playing their best basketball, but they're finding ways to win. So it gives them more time to figure out when to play their basketball once the playoffs come around, Mike. But uh, yeah, definitely, I would like to see them. You know. Go back to crushing teams like the Trailblazers, the Grizzlies, and the Wizards like they used to earlier in the year. Well, I thought they would. I thought so, too. But but the last two games, uh, question mark. So I'm tanking up my truck. I walk, so, man, Mike, what do you think about the Pelicans? I said, listen, it's a W. They don't give you nothing extra for style points. But that was two ugly wins. It's been three. I mean, including the Trailblazers. Trailblazers, too. Yeah, three bad teams, and you didn't smoke any of them. You came close multiple times. You had a 25-point lead against Memphis. They came back. You had a 20-point lead against the Wizards. They came back. Uh, And as Zion mentioned yesterday in his press conference, they got to figure out how to stop blowing these leads, Mike. But it's still W's, and that's all that matters. I guess so, huh? uh, When it breaks down to it. When we come back. One of the best to ever play at LSU, and you can hear him on the SEC Network. Baseball analyst Todd Walker will join us right after this break here on the Big 870 WWL. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long. Bobby J got the day off today. And on our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line, one of the very best to ever do it at LSU. And now you can hear him on the SEC Network. Baseball analyst Todd Walker. Todd, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. You're welcome, guys. How's it going? Todd, uh, man, success. Uh, people will ask me to go talk somewhere, and I'll tell them, you know, uh, people always say you, you learn a lot about people when they have adversity, and, and that's partially true. But, man, you know what teach you a lot about people? Let them get a little bit of success in how they handle it. And I've seen it in the business world and also in, in the media world. And professional world athlete wise what is the key here uh and i know jay has said all the right things and done the right things about hey listen we've turned the page that sort of thing we've thrown the book out the window uh it's it's a new team new year that sort of thing but winning a championship now raises the bar i don't care in what sport you raise the bar what's the mentality for a team now with new pieces, you without two big stars, not on now in the uh, minor leagues, but uh, man, they, they sort of really played a big part in getting you that national championship to move on now to the next year and sort of wipe out some of what got you that success. Yeah, well, the answer is talent. <laughs> you get a guy that can overcome you know, a little bit of squeeze on you, you know, and everybody, you know, obviously, and uh, starting with VMI this weekend, coming after you because you're the best of the best, uh, talent just takes over. And not only just one guy like Tommy White, for example, but an entire group and team. So if Tommy White struggles for a little bit, Aiden Travinsky is going to pick him up. If Aiden Travinsky struggles, then Jared Jones is going to pick him up or Paxton Kling or, you know, they're just loaded. I mean, the bottom line is with the NIL deals the way they are and the transfer with no penalty, 
Everybody wants to play in the SEC, and more specifically, they want to play for LSU. And so what you're seeing is like this influx of talent uh, getting into LSU. I mean, the greatest thing Jay Johnson did last year and the greatest thing he's had to overcome this year is managing personalities and guys that expect to play. They were the best player in there. Not only they got they got a handful of guys, the best player in New Mexico, for example, the second best player out of Texas, the two best players out of the state of Louisiana. Not only were these guys the best high school players on their team, they were the best players in the state, but they may not play. And so, you know, when you get here and you got to overcome that, Jay Johnson has to do the job of keeping them calm and under control and helping them understand that they're great players, even though they may not play this year. And so, uh, just managing personalities, I think, is the main obstacle for him. But, you know, Jay, I mean, he's a, he's a grinder. He's not going to allow them to let, rest on last year. And truth be told, like you said, they've lost two big parts of last year uh, with Paul Skeens and, and uh, Dylan Cruz. And so now you got to replace those guys, which they will. You know, they got Luke Coleman, the transfer from Alabama, is an All-American. He's going to help them on the rotation this weekend. You can reasonably assume Thatcher Hurd now in his third year after transferring from UCLA last year. He's got a lot of confidence off of last year. Um, and Gavin Gidry and Javin uh, Coleman and all these other guys. The one struggle they had last year was on the mound. And then at the end, they just pitched like they've been pitching great all year, which they had not. Nate, Nate Dackenhausen hadn't had a start all year long, goes into Omaha and goes six and doesn't walk anybody. So the nerves definitely didn't get to him. And so I'm just interested to see how the pitching staff you know, uh, reacts this year, but they're going to have a, they have a load of talent and 10, 10 lefties on the staff. I mean, which neutralizes the running game and it neutralizes the left-handed hitters in the opposing lineup. So they're loaded, man. I mean, I, I think you're going to see a run like Skip Berman had in the nineties where he won five national championships in 10 years. They've already won one. So watch the next nine years for LSU. Todd, uh, you bring that up. Last time I talked to Jay and I, I brought up the fact that, you know, okay, you, you bring in a guy who's been a really good starting uh, pitcher, say in high school ranks. and uh, But you think maybe his best spot is as a reliever, maybe a middle reliever, a late reliever. Uh, what's your kind of talk to him to get him to understand that's going to be his spot at LSU? He's like, Mike, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to let you make that conversation with him. We'll, we'll broach that with that young man when he comes in somewhere down the line. But it, it's handling the personalities. And he, he said almost exactly what you said, that that's the key today in college sports because that guy can take off. He can go somewhere else. Uh, and he said, you know, I'm not having that conversation with that 17, 18-year-old freshman right off the bat that he's going to be that middle reliever or late reliever. That may happen. But, you know, my thing is, hey, we coming in, you're coming in here, you're going to be my starting pitcher, and then we'll take it from there. So it, it is all about personalities, and, and it's a different world of, of handling, you know, say generational things change of how you handle athletes. No doubt. And everybody wants to start because that's where the money is when you get drafted, right? But take Ole Miss and Mike Bianco, for example, in 2000, when was that, 22, yeah. when they won the national championship. They were 6-14 and 14 in the conference, 20 games deep. They'd only won six games. After week three, changes two of his starters, puts Dylan DeLucia and Hunter Elliott in there, and they rattle off the national championship. So you can't tell a pitcher – uh, with certainty where their role is going to be because it always changes. And that's what's always amazed me about college baseball is that, you know, you can have a fall where you've got all these all these guys and you think you know what you have. Then you go into the spring and they change and things happen. And then uh, even during the spring and into the conference uh, deal, like I just said with Ole Miss, you still don't know. And so it's just crazy how things work out and turn out. And so 
we'll wait and see on all that. But I, I, I do know that LSU's loaded. Cam Johnson, the best, second best left-handed pitcher in the country. Uh, I'm anxious to see him pitch. Um, but I'm telling you what, uh, I don't think the pitching staff's the, the question mark this year like it was last year. Todd, one of the things every year when we've had Jay on early, and uh, he said it again this year, asked about the team to watch in every magazine I've gotten, Arkansas. And Jay brought it up first. I think he took the job one day, came on with us the following, and it was like, what are you looking at? And he said, man, Arkansas, that's the team to watch. He said year in, year out, how they recruit, how they develop players. And so I get that baseball digest and I get a couple other uh, baseball books in. Who's ranked number one in the SEC? And, and for a few of them, number one in the country, Arkansas. So, again, you look at the SEC, how loaded they are. But one thing has stayed consistent the last few years, how good the Hogs are. Yeah, well, they're picked number one in, in the West to win the West. You know, Dave Van Horn's done an excellent job, obviously, over the years as he's been there. But in the end, you know, it all, all that matters is how you play at the end. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it works out for him. But uh, Dave Van Horn's a great coach. He's done it for a lot of years. Arkansas has lost one of their best hitters, at least early in the season, and Peyton Stovall, who had that excellent run two years ago in Omaha where he just went crazy as a freshman. Now he's a junior. He's hurt. And it's all about staying healthy, I think, for Arkansas. But I think you'll see the usual suspects in the best conference in college baseball. The SEC has won five of the last six national championships and should have been all six, except Arkansas was one out away in 2018, lost to Oregon State. So that shows you the talent level that this conference has. And Arkansas, Tennessee, Florida, LSU, and Vanderbilt are going to be as good as they've always been. And then they're going to have a surprise in there somewhere, like we've had in 2021 with Mississippi State winning it and 2022 with Ole Miss, or vice versa, however they they ended up. And then, of course, both of them missed the conference tournament last year. So it's crazy the way this works. But but I, I think you're going to see a big, big year from the SEC again. Todd, when we were talking to Jay earlier, I think it was a couple weeks ago, he was mentioning the pitching is going to be the strength of this team. I know you kind of mentioned that earlier. But looking at the staff, you already know that Thatcher Hurd's going to be the Friday night guy and or Friday afternoon guy this upcoming week. And then uh, the Luke Holman, the Alabama transfer, is going to be on Saturday. Outside of that, a guy that's named that keeps popping up and he hasn't been solidified as a starter just yet, and he's working off of Tommy John, he's coming back from an injury, another UCLA tra- uh, transfer just like Heard is Gage Jump. And when we're listening to some Tommy White audio and talking about the best pitcher that he faced during the fall, he was saying that Gage Jump has got some nasty stuff. And I want to get your early thoughts on him uh, because I think he's going to be a sneaky piece for this Tiger squad. There's a lot of sneaky pieces of this Tiger squad, and I think I like what Jay said. If he thinks the strength of this Staff, I mean, this team is going to be pitching, then watch out because the offense, who was number one in the country in run production last year, is going to be just as good this year. Now, they don't have Dylan Cruz, but they got everybody else, including Tommy White. And the big question mark is to whether or not the draft affects Tommy White. It did me my junior year. When you're talking about now, I mean, I signed for $815,000 back in uh, 1994. I was the eighth overall pick. Now you're talking about $10 million plus. How can that not affect a 19, 20-year-old kid? So whether or not Tommy White does it, who knows. As far as the pitching staff goes and Thatcher Hurd on Friday night, Luke Holman on Saturday, that'll change. I mean, during the course of the year, not that they're not talented, but, you know, just things happen. And and they need to find – the key I've seen to winning the SEC and the conference is having that Sunday starter, who they're going to pitch on the third day. And that'll change, too, during the course of the year. 
But I think you'll see Thatcher Hurd do what he did last year. Came on strong at the end. Nate Ackenhausen is going to be a big part of this. Gavin Guidry, uh, Javin Coleman is still there. I mean, you know, who knows who's going to do well and who's not. If Jump has any, uh, uh, you know, going from the Pac-12 to the SEC, as we saw with Thatcher Hurd, is a big deal. And so I don't know how Jump will react to that. But if he doesn't, somebody else steps up. And that's the key to depth. And they have so much depth in this LSU staff. I mean, uh, team that if somebody doesn't do it the next guy's going to step up until that talented guy does so i'm not worried at all about anything if anything the defense is probably the only small little tiny question mark and that's josh pearson moving into second base from the outfield man if they can get an infielder to hit like josh pearson uh and he plays and he covers that position now you got three outfielders you can use as, as power hitters including a dh good lord i mean they're going to be they're going to be studs offensively just like last year so looking at some of the position players, because I think that this is a real big key for this Tigers team to take the next step, we know that they went out and got a lot of pieces in the transfer portal, but the next step for freshmen taking a leap to their sophomore year I think is huge. Jared Jones showed flashes last year in his freshman season, but then he wasn't really involved much in the playoff push. And I mean, Paxton Kling was another guy that started off the season. I think he was the leadoff hitter in the opening weekend, but then by the end of the season, he also wasn't very involved. And that's because a lot of the upperclassmen had taken those roles. Another guy, Brady Neal, got injured, but he's going to be back this season as well, the catcher. So these freshmen, super talented guys that are taking that step to sophomore year, I mean, that's going to be a big key for LSU having success this upcoming season. So many new guys, like you mentioned, is why I'm not overly worried about them getting overconfident about winning the national championship last year because these kids haven't done it. But to your point, Brady Neal was a starter last year. You remember that? He was the yeah. starting catcher. And then it was Travinsky. Uh, you know, and and went on and on like that. So, I mean, nobody, you know, Alex Malazzo was in there, of course, and he will be again this year. And so you got two veteran guys right there. So who knows who does well and who doesn't. But Jay Johnson has the luxury of rolling them out there. And the downside of his, as a player is if you don't get it done in the opening weekend, you might not see the field again, <laughs> which is different if you're the guy, you know, you they have to kind of lay on you. But, dude, to your point, I mean, it's incredible, the recruiting class. They've got the two best players out of high school in the state of Louisiana, the number one player out of Kansas, number one player in New Mexico, the number two player out of Arizona, the shortstop, and, and the Texas kids, the shortstop, too. So, good Lord. I mean, you know, they got young freshman guys that might step up and do something that nobody expects them to do. I know when I got there as a freshman, nobody expected me to start, much less be the national freshman of the year. So, I mean, there's going to be some surprises in there as well, including, you know, in addition to the guys we expect to do well. Todd, other than from a pitching standpoint, what is the one position uh, from a college standpoint that's the hardest for a freshman to come in to make an impact? Now, if you can swing a bat, they'll find a spot for you. But I'm talking about more uh, playing on the defensive side. I would say shortstop by far. That's why they got Michael Braswell over there from South Carolina, right? There's not a great hitter, but he can he can pick it. And uh, if, if uh, I don't know if they're overly excited about playing him because clearly, if they could get one of those freshmen that I just mentioned, uh, these super superstar kids out of high school to get get the job done, then they'd like that because now you've got that kid for two more years. Um, but Michael Braswell is, a, is I, I hate to call him an insurance policy because I think he'll start. Uh, and I think he'll do well. Uh, and, and a big piece of the puzzle for LSU is that shortstop position. Um, but uh, definitely as a young kid, any position nowadays is tough, you know, because you've got you to play both sides of the ball. You can hit all you want. You're right. They'll find a spot for you. But if you can't play defense, then it limits you and you may not play because they've got plenty of guys that can hit and play defense. So 
Um, he, I see here, uh, just like last year, early on, you're going to see just about everybody play. And again, back to what I was saying, it's, it's a great thing if you're a head coach and you can throw guys out there and see who's hot early and run with the hot hand. And you're going to have plenty of opportunities to see that with the talent that they have. And the other thing, you know, the, the missing piece here is Nate Yeski. You know, he's the, the, he was with, uh, uh, Jay Johnson when Arizona made that run in Omaha in 2021, then he goes over to A&M and, uh, if you were watching last year in the SEC tournament, what Nate Yeski did with that Texas A&M pitching staff and the run they made in the SEC tournament last year and on into the postseason, that's a big credit to him. And I think Jay would tell you that Nate Yeski is one of the premier pitching coaches, college pitching coaches in the country. They had Wes Johnson. He moves on to Georgia. And now they replace him with somebody, you know, on an equal playing field like Nate Yeski, who, uh, who's just a fabulous pitching guy and, you know, able to handle these staff. So I think that's a big piece as well. Yeah, I mean, to, to your point, Todd, I think it's going to become a factory almost for Coach Johnson at LSU as far as Wes Johnson going to Georgia and now Yeski moving from A&M to LSU. I mean, he sees a potential for if he comes in and LSU's staff lights it up. And from all indications, it seems like this staff is not only top-heavy but also deep. I, they got a ton of talent, as you've mentioned multiple times. This could be a, a potential for Yeski to move on to being his own head coach. Well, and that's kind of seems like the stepping stone, right? I don't know if he – I'm sure I'm sure he that's something he'd probably want to do, but he's been a pitching coach for a long time, won the national championship with Oregon State in 2018. So the guy's been around, done it, and uh, I know he loves what he does. But, I, look, you're about to see a run, a Skip Bertman-type run. Uh, Bertman won five national championships in the 90s, and I think you're about to see that again with the no, no transfer penalty. You know, guys can go anywhere they want. Everybody wants to play in LSU. Um, the NIL deals and everything else, they've got the best of the best. And then you've got a grinder of a coach. I know Jay Johnson probably has his own bedroom at the at the stadium. He spends every waking hour up there figuring this stuff out. He's uh, been doing it for 11 years, won 411 games as a head coach. So, Jay Johnson, when you put all those chemistry pieces together, it is baseball, and only two losses at the end, and you're out. They're not going to win every year. But they're going to win. They're going to roll off some national championships here in the next ten years. Trey Morgan's defense, and you know, it gets overshadowed because of the couple of super superstars that you had. But man, he was so great on the defensive side, and also a key hitter, and he could run the bases pretty well. Uh, your thoughts on a replacement there? Because uh, you look at him, and I would say he's a chip piece. Uh, he's not a bit. He's a chip of what you had on that team from a year ago. But, man, he was so great on defense because he sort of bailed you out a few times with some bad throws that he was able to dig that ball out of the dirt. That's going to be the big question mark, like I mentioned, not big, small for LSU, and that's the defense. Uh, clearly, they'll be more in. Of course, they had him in left field a lot, too. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that, you know, you're not going to see too many plays like he made in Omaha where he crashed on that, on that bunt and threw him out at home plate, that type of stuff. Is that massively importing and winning a national championship? Uh, I don't know. They're going to put Travinsky over there. They're going to put Jared Jones over there. But Arkansas took Peyton Stovall, who I mentioned earlier, now as a freshman who's really a middle infielder, and they put him at first base because he could hit. And so what might happen is one of these shortstops out of high school you know, would, would move over and play first base and be just as dynamic as Trey Morgan if they, if they, if they can come out of the gates and, and, and hit like this – you know, Stephen Milan, Milan kid uh, from New Mexico. You know, they've got some 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 young kids that might get it done. Even Michael Braswell is supposed to play short. And then you got Mac Bingham, who spent four years at Arizona. He comes over um, under Jay Johnson, has played for him, 
and they're not bringing him over to sit the bench either. So, you know, he had 10 home runs last year, 20 doubles, 30 extra base hits, you know, so he can hit a little bit too. So they'll piece it together. I don't think they're going to, they're just going to be sitting there wondering, wow, if we only had Trey Morgan, because they're going to have some guys that can feel it. It's not going to be as, as smooth and dynamic as you saw Trey Morgan, but I don't think that's really going to matter that much this year. Todd, thanks so much for joining us. Always great insights. Enjoy listening to you on the SEC Network. And, uh, man, from what you're saying, man, uh, they'll be shining up them trophies pretty good at LSU over the next few years. I think they're going to be good. They need to add some trophy cases for sure, man. (laughs) And then, you know, and then then comes the Jay Johnson statue right next to Skip Bourbon. Todd, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Really appreciate it, bud. All right, thank you. All right, Todd Walker, former LSU great infielder and now part of the SEC Network baseball analyst covers Southeast Conference. And, boy, that's the place. Man, just absolutely loaded in the SEC this year again. And we talk so much about how good the football is in the SEC. Baseball is even tighter and more teams they have involved with it. They have a four-weekend stretch, LSU does this year, where they play in order. They play Georgia, then they play at Arkansas. No, my bad. Florida is the first team they play at Arkansas, and then they go back home and they play Vanderbilt, and then they play Tennessee. And, you know, that's four top ten teams preseason, so it's going to be pretty tough. But that's the SEC, isn't it? That's what it is. I got a neighbor of mine, big LSU fan. He's like, Mike, there's only two seasons in this world. And it's none of the, like, winter, fall, spring, summer. It's LSU football season, LSU baseball season. Now, we'll say this. Kim Mulkey's put a dent a little bit into that, too, uh, with women's basketball. But, man, LSU baseball is huge for a lot of folks. We'll be back with more sports talk right after this break here on the Big 870 WWL. We're finishing up here in our number one of sports talk with the Big 870. Mike, to tell you along with Charlie Long, people are asking about how they can catch the game over the weekend and and Friday at the first game against VMI is going to be on our sister station, the Bet New Orleans, uh, 1.30 pregame, 2 o'clock will be first pitch. And Saturday's game also will be on the Bet, 1 o'clock uh, it will be first pitch pregame at 12.30. But Sunday, it'll be right here on the Big 870 at 1 p.m. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870 right after this news break. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.